all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're talking about Santa believing. So the holiday season is a magical time for people of all ages. And children, obviously, are especially caught up in the spirit of Christmas. Santa Claus is a big reason why. But is believing in a magical man who flies around the world delivering presents good for kids? If so, when should they stop believing? So did you believe in Santa when you were young? Do you remember when you stopped believing or started having questions? How did that happen? And what happened next? How did it go? I really would love to hear from you. Hear your thoughts about this. So jump in at any time. I know most of you have some sort of memories about Santa and are maybe still believing in Santa in some way. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So generally, not telling the truth to children is a bad thing, right? But for many children, believing in Santa is normal and a healthy part of development. It's wonderful for the imagination. And so trying to weigh what's right and wrong as we move along. Um, And and also, um, how much is truly myth and how much was real. So I want to talk a little bit about the Santa Claus myth that's longstanding, powerful tradition for lots of families, and there's really some goodness in believing in it. Um, Some of you may disagree, but just remember, like I said, imagination's a normal part of development. It helps with creative minds. So why not allow some of this? But before we go to that, I want to talk to you a little bit. Many of you may already know how Santa got started, but I always think sort of revisiting the story is is fun. Um, So like our, our own United States, Santa Claus is really a melting pot of cultures. He doesn't start 
as with the name Santa Claus, as you know, um, there's been a blending of some elements of myth, folklore, um, and, and then some just good imagination. But actually, Santa Claus the Man is loosely rooted in fact. And in fact, um, if, you, if you really read about um, St. Nicholas, uh, it's pretty close to who Santa Claus is. So um, he didn't always look the way he does today. Um, Santa Claus evolved from a gift-giving Catholic, um, now saint, who was a bishop who lived in the third century. And then there was some evolution with Protestant Reformation and immigration of European traditions to America that that morphed um, things from St. Nicholas, the red-cloaked um, bishop who truly did go around secretly and leave gifts, um, into the red-suited character who morphed into... Um, someone who is a bit overweight and jolly and who has his army of elves and, and magic. So St. Nicholas was uh, St. Nicholas the Generous. Um, like I said, he, he was um, typically a tall and lanky man historically. He was a bishop of Myra, a Roman town in what's now Turkey. And he was born, we think, around the year 270 A.D. Um, and he was dedicated to helping the poor, Nicholas was. Um, he actually would pay for the dowries of impoverished girls. You know, back then, to get married, you had to have a dowry, um, something to contribute to the marriage. And so... He would pay for that anonymously, and his reputation as a secret gift giver around town grew with time, and then it grew um, into a larger space and into the community. He then became known um, for depositing coins or treats in the shoes of children who would place them outside their doors. Um, sometimes in, in exchange for carrots or hay left for his horses or whatever. So, um, like I said earlier, Nicholas uh, typically wore the red bishop's cloak, or that's how he was depicted. And he was helped often by a little boy who was an orphan, according to the legends. So after St. Nick died, he was canonized and named the patron saint of children, sailors, and, and um, those in Greece. And then he became a really popular figure. And the way he came to America um, was uh, with the Dutch in the 17th and 18th centuries. He was called Sinterklaas, and, um, and then his name changed um, around 1773, when he was, he was referenced for some reason, and I'm not sure why, as Santa Claus for the first time in a New York City newspaper. And then he, he grew. He became um, bigger, fatter, rounder. And in 1800s, um, 
in uh, Washington Irving's book, A History of New York, um, he was a big man and, um, and called interchangeably Santa Claus or Saint Nick. And so that's kind of the way we started. And, um, you know, by the eight, late 1800s, um, most depictions of Santa Claus followed um, what we saw in um, the night, A Visit from St. Nick, um, Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Moore, where Santa is imagined with his powered reindeer, uh, his sleigh powered by reindeer and that big sack of toys and, a, and all. So. That's the way it got started, and that's the way most of us remember it. So um, I'd love to hear from you. Did you tell us what your thoughts are about Santa Claus and, and a child's belief? What do you think? Um, what do you remember as a child? And did you feel curious Um as you got older, did did you find that um, some of the magic got lost once once you didn't um, truly believe in Santa? Yeah, so we have our first caller. We have Rachel from Starkville. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining us early. Well, thank you for uh, the information that you just gave there, the background. That was very interesting. Uh, and what I'm going to say, I don't expect everybody to agree with it, but uh, when my daughter was little, we pretended about Santa Claus. She had a lot of pretend uh, friends. Among them were pink Santa Claus and white Santa Claus and brown Santa Claus. (laughs) And so we had a Santa Claus that came at Christmas and um, we pretended and we put milk and cookies out and in the morning when they were gone, we would uh, pretend that he had eaten them and we pretended that uh, he had brought all the gifts and she didn't ask me where they actually came from. And uh, one time a friend told me that I had robbed my child of a special gift uh, of childhood. And I, I asked my daughter in later years how she felt about the pretend Santa Claus. And she said that she was so glad that I hadn't uh, told her that he was real. And uh, so, as I say, that's what we did. I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, but I'm just saying that's what we did, and that's how it turned out. So she, Rachel, your daughter, knew that you had left the presence and all, but you still went through the pretend fund, the pretend play of Santa Claus. Is that how you handled it? So she knew all along. She knew all along that he was pretend. And Christmas was a big, big happy time. We even had a Christmas room with a Christmas tree, and she and her friends would put on Christmas programs and sing Christmas songs. It was a great, big, happy time. But I didn't ever tell her that Santa Claus was real. And we read uh, The Night Before Christmas. We read Nativity Stories. Uh, It was a big deal, but um, I remember when I was a kid, 
I was told that there was a Santa Claus, and I believed it for a while. And then when I began to not believe, uh, it was a big letdown. But this was Mm. a smooth ride, you see. It wasn't uh, a big jolt at the end. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, um, Rachel. I... So you still played into her imagination and you allowed imagination um, and you still had some magic in there, it sounds like. So um, I'd love to hear from listeners. What do you think about approaching things that way? Um, Give us a a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. I'd like to hear what you um how you approached it with your children and how it worked out for you we're going to take a break right now thanks rachel for starting us off i really appreciate it and when we come back we'll have liz and java and jay are all going to join us in the talk our radio personalities but we want to hear from you too we're talking about santa Do you believe? What do you believe? We'll be right back. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I am telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. Making a list, he's checking it twice. Well, welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about Santa. Parents have to decide for themselves. Do the benefits of telling children about Santa outweigh the potential cost of perhaps disappointment or thinking that you haven't been truthful? So, you know, research on the benefit of believing in Santa is is not as profound as you might think it is. Um, obviously, good research is out there on the benefits of having a vivid imagination and and believing in a bit of magic probably is a good thing and it exercises um, children's ability to reason and you know moving about 
Um, I guess the risk um, of the disappointments, like our first caller mentioned, is there. So how do you navigate through that? We have Liz, Java, and Jay who are going to share. Hey, guys. Glad to be with you. Um, I was going to say Professor Gershon, but no, that was last hour. <laughs> Dr. Oh, Buttress. <laughs> so, Liz, talk to us. Do you have some thoughts on this? Well, I have, you know, an evolution. I was a kid and then I did have kids. And I can remember uh, when I was very little being in the bed Christmas Eve, you know, I crawled in between my parents and I swear I saw the uh, shadow of Santa Claus um, on the op- on the wall opposite from the window. I just know I saw Santa, and so yeah. I was so excited. Um, so so I definitely had a Santa believing time, and then I remember my snarky teenage sister on the phone, and I walked. I don't know if she knew I was there, but she said, yeah, I have to be Santa tonight and put out the presents. And I can remember feeling, oh, oh. but, you know, it, 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 it doesn't last. It doesn't last. No. Um, and then with my kids, we mm, intentionally, unintentionally, you know, we talked about Santa. We got Santa presents. We put out the Santa cookies and. Whenever, I guess I preempted it, and when they were little, and if I ever heard anyone say they didn't believe in Santa, then I would just tell my kids, well, if they don't believe in Santa, they don't get any Santa presents. So it was, I I don't know what they found out or how they found out. I, you know, at my house, even the 50-year-olds, if you believe in Santa, then Santa brings you presents. Well, that's a good way to put it, because it doesn't mean that you won't get presents if you don't believe in Santa, but that Santa doesn't leave um, the presents. Oh, yeah. And at my house, Santa totally is too busy to wrap presents. Santa just leaves stuff in the stockings or under the tree. And mom and dad, you know, give some presents or grandma or whoever. They wrap their presents and put them under the tree. But Santa... um, Santa just leaves stuff there. Uh, well, that sounds like like fun and and definitely environmentally a good thing, um, Liz, um, for not wrapping presents too. <laughs> but a good way to 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 demark whose Santa gifts and and whose <laughs> gifts from others. And Jay White, Jay, you've you've got little to growing up, little to teenager kids. I do. I have kids that are uh, 10, 12, 12, and 13. So uh, hopefully they're not listening or any kids are listening. Otherwise, uh, X nay on this conversation, eh? eh? Um, but no, I'm just, I'm joking. My, my story is um, for the longest time, because my kids are, they've been inquisitive about this for a while in the past. Um. You know, they want to know how Santa gets all this done. How does he get all this in? Um, I know he's not going to all those houses in one night. You know, and then why would he come here? You know, just like, and I'm like, well, I'm I'm, I'm struggling to explain this network of infrastructure that Santa Claus has. He's got these 
these guys that work for him, and they've got people that work for them, and they scatter all about the land, but Santa has to cover, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then when they see him at, like, the mall, you know, in, in November, I'm like, well, you know, he's got to do this publicity tour to make sure to get everything straight. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a lot of associates well, that stand in that kind of look by him, but he has to sign off on all of them. So there's no worries. But uh, yeah, yeah. eventually uh, my oldest three and it's not anything that I necessarily pushed on them or, or at one point decided to kind of, you know, kill off for them. But they kind of figured it out on their own. I think a lot of this, you know, a lot of this talk happens at school. You know, between yeah. the kids and it does. and I yeah. think eventually they kind of figure it out or they either come to their own conclusion and, you know, they'll kind of, you know, hint to us that they know the scam, <laughs> the scam is up. And right. So we the just, scam's up. Right. But I still want presents. Right. I still want those presents. But the yeah. good thing is they have this um, they have this ability to understand that the youngest one is still kind of in, even though she kind of yeah. has. You know, she has her questions, but she's still in. And, and the, the biggest thing now is the elf on the shelf, which we have to remember to shuffle around all the time. Uh, yeah. And outside of that, they, you know, they, they keep the thing going for her, which is very cool. And that is something that one of my daughters brought up, that you let the older children sort of in on the secret, and then they can be a yeah. part of the fun and the myth. So that's a great thing to do, Jay. Absolutely, yeah. Great, great ideas. Um, another thing, just quickly before we get back to Robbie and our other callers who are waiting, I wanted to mention to you as you're trying to explain Santa and the younger ones, if they start getting inquisitive, if you want to add to the story and it's up to parents, what a great time for a geography lesson about time zones and that kind of thing. So maybe um, you could talk to them about the eight hours difference between here and Hawaii. Okay, Java, you wanted to jump in for a minute. Oh, oh yeah, Dr. Butchers. I, I was just going to um, add, I guess, being the, the younger parent or the parent of uh, the youngest kids, um, I have three, eight, four, and two years old. So we are all about the magic and wonder of uh, Santa Claus right now. I mean, everybody's in full belief mode and, you know, it's not like we, you know, push Santa Claus, but I mean, he's omnipresent this time of year. So we just, we just roll with it. And um, I kind of lean with Jay, I guess, as my kids are getting older, especially my oldest, you know, he'll kind of peter off into the um into the re- the real world so to speak and uh and and he will be fully invested in keeping up the 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 myth for the for the youngest um of the kids because that's you know yeah. it's just all a part of the season and um cuz even when I was growing up I don't know where I kind of you know got in on the scam because we would put out the cookies and um and 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 things well actually we didn't even put out cookies and milk we put out pecans and a coke because that's what my your santa liked pecans and a coke i like that that's what my santa wanted before um you know he put it he put the gifts out he wanted pecans (laughs) and a coke and i said wait a minute i thought it was milk and cookies but uh, you know um i digress but yeah we we're fully about the um the the Santa Claus experience. I think it's something that all kids should, you know, be into uh, during a certain time in their life and, you know, just kind of let it naturally unravel, you know, at their own pace. I think that's a great idea. Oh, uh, 
I love the pecans and a Coke. Okay. Well, thanks, you three. I love you um, giving your stories. That makes a lot. And and actually, I do think that there's so much. This is good for parents also. All right. Let's go back to the phones. I think now we have Robbie from Oxford. Hey, Robbie. Are you there still? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Great. Excellent. Well, I just wanted to share something that my parents did. My sister and I had parents who were really kind of um, matter of fact about there was no Santa Claus, except they didn't say that. They said just outright, well, your dad's Santa Claus. And, you know, we're, we're young enough and we're trying to piece that together with, with all of the other stuff that we're seeing and, you know, with with the big red suit and everything. And so he'd just kind of poke out his belly and go, ho, ho, ho. And he'd say that he had this big red suit that he, well, he just keeps it somewhere else and all of the reindeer. And, well, he's going to be very busy on, on Christmas Eve. <laughs> We're just really looking at that going, this can't be true. My, my, my dad can't possibly be Santa Claus. <laughs> and uh, what finally capped it off was when he was also the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> what? <laughs> None of this makes any sense. How could you? And so then he would just kind of like press around a little bit and say, oh, yes, I'm the tooth fairy and I have a little tutu. And we're like, no way. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's that's crazy. Of course, there's a Santa Claus. And we had that going for, uh, I guess, until I was 11 or so. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fun. So do you did you feel like it was a good thing? Was that fun for y'all? It sounds like there was a lot of banter going back and forth. It, it it was. It was kind of fun. Uh, it was it was one of those things that uh, our parents did that sort of challenged us on a, mm-hmm. on a kind of a, a, an emotional and a psychological level to, to not really believe everything we're hearing. But we didn't mm-hmm. know we didn't always know which part to believe and which part not. So that gave us a, a way of actually maturing into, oh, OK, some things are real and some things are not real. I got it. OK, fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, and the reality was that your dad really was your Santa Claus. And I think a lot of us just had our special Santa Claus. So I, I, I am just a a lover of Christmas and giving, and um, I love to see the sparkle in people's eyes when they get excited about it. And so my husband calls me Santa Claus, too. So, see, Santa (laughs) Claus can be female, too. Um, But anyway, Robbie, thanks for sharing that. That's another, you know, I bet there are thousands of different stories out there as to the way parents approach this with their children. And I know that we have Carolyn and Terry both waiting on the line. We're going to take our next break. And when we come back, you guys hang on. We want to hear your stories and thoughts, too, about dealing with Santa. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464 to join in the conversation. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about Santa Claus. And what do you believe, and what do you not believe? And certainly in this very difficult time of the pandemic, it's kind of nice to think about something magical, to have an imagination, and sort of get out of reality for a few minutes. Um, So we are talking about... What do you believe about Santa? What do your children believe? What have you taught? And and how do you deal with Santa Claus and the myth? All right. We're jumping back to the phones. We have Carolyn from Clinton. Hi, Carolyn. You still waiting on us? Yes, I am. Yay. Okay, good. Well, tell us your thoughts, Carolyn. Okay. Well, first of all, oh, I have a brother that's 23 months older than me. And one Christmas he said, you know, I think Mother and Daddy must be Santa because we cannot go play or see any of the animals. My grandparents lived on a farm until we uh, the car is totally unloaded, except at Christmas. And at Christmas, we can, we're can we always told as soon as we get, get there, if we want to, we can go and play, and we don't have to help unload the car at all. <laughs> wow. That's really good reasoning. See, that's part of development. So what did you say? I'm curious. Did you go, oh. I don't know or something, you know. But but by the time I was 12 or 13, well, I have a sister that's 10 years younger than me and cousins that are from 8 to 14 years younger, and we were always together at Christmas. So by the time I was 12 or so, I was always helping put things out at Christmas because I was the oldest granddaughter and one thing enough. And one year, we were putting things out, and my cousin that um, wanted a cowboy outfit, she really wanted a cowboy outfit. Mother may have happened because they, they worked at a non, uh, nonprofit agency in the mountains of North Carolina and didn't have much shopping there. And so she had done some of the shopping. But she knew she was what she was to get for him his cowboy outfit, but boots weren't included. So mother got him boots, and they put out. And Uncle Ed came in. He said, "What's this with the boots?" And mother said, "They're from Santa Claus." He says, "I don't believe in Santa Claus." Mother said, "Well, I do, and Santa Claus is the spirit of giving, and Santa Claus wanted Henry to have boots. So in the spirit of giving, he has boots." There you go. So that's back to the Saint Nicholas, the spirit of giving, who just believed in giving to others so well that's a great story um 
And that's how, you know, depending, you can just, it sounds like your mother was able to seamlessly move into that. And that uncle had stopped protesting that she had bought the boots for Henry and that they couldn't afford them. <laughs> well, that's great. Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing your story. Appreciate you calling. We're going to go next to Kenneth from Jackson. Hi, Kenneth. Well, I'm, I think that uh, Santa is a means of kids' control. Uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. Santa Claus coming to town and will bring you a lump of coal if uh, if you uh, don't be good. Which uh, there's better ways mm-hmm. of encouraging. Well, telling the truth is important. Period. Nothing is more important than facts and the truth. Well, you know, I I hear you, Kenneth, and I I understand what you're saying. And that is part um, of growing up to believe in mythical figures and to believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny and all of those other things. Um, There is a time that it's developmentally appropriate. Imaginary friends are developmentally appropriate in the later toddler years and and even up into when children are, you know, five and six. Those imaginary friends or those imaginary people um, are okay. But you do hope that people get out of magical thinking and myths and, and move into more um, the discovery of facts and, and scientific facts and use them appropriately to make good decisions. So I think you're absolutely right. The truth is very important. Um, I think, though, and I'd like to hear from other listeners about that. Is it so important to always be absolutely truthful that even with our children, mess and pretend is not okay? From a developmental standpoint, I will tell you as a developmental behavioral pediatrician um, that imagination is important for creativity and hard concrete fact without a little bit of imagination maybe isn't always the best thing. That's my opinion. I'd love to hear from others. Um, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. But Kenneth, thanks for your call. Okay, we have Pamela in Pascagoula. Hi, Pamela. I'm in Pas Christian. Oh, oh, I love oh. Pas Christian. Hello. <laughs> Good to Hello. have you join us. You were asking about uh, when we stopped believing in Santa, and I think I was around eight, and it just kind of dawned on me, but I didn't want to disappoint my parents that I knew, mm. so I didn't want to tell them. Also, I had a younger sister, and I wanted to protect her knowing. But I have to say, when I was five years old, I had the largest, most powerful confirmation that there was a Santa Claus. Oh. I had gone I had gone to bed, and it was really hard for me to go to sleep. I've always been a night owl. So I'm trying to go to sleep, trying to go to sleep, and I didn't know it. We lived on the desert, the Mojave Desert in California, and the antenna, this is, you know, this is the days when everybody had antennas on the roof. Mm-hmm. The antenna had gone out. My dad and granddad were on the roof working with the antenna, and I heard something on the roof. 
and I thought Santa was there, and I was not asleep. He wasn't going to stay. So I ran down the hall. I said, he's here. He's here. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my mom, you know, my mom and grandmother said, oh, no, it's okay. If you go go back and go, go to your room, go to sleep, it's going to be okay. And, you know, and, you know, so, but I, and then I knew there was a Santa then after that because he had been on the roof. So. How fun. Now, see, what a memory. That is marvelous. You know, that's um, interesting, though, Pamela, that you bring up when you were eight and you didn't want to let on for your parents because you didn't want to disappoint them. Um, (laughs) One of my daughters was just telling me that. My daughter in Nashville mentioned that she thinks her older son, who is nine, probably knows, but he probably um, will continue to pretend for a while because she, he's so soft-hearted and kind-hearted that he wants to um, make sure that she's happy about Christmas. So I wonder Mm -hmm. how many children, I don't remember having that in my heart. I remember really believing in Santa and the very best teddy bear that I ever got. Um, Santa left me and I I remember that so well. Um, But I don't remember when I stopped. I do think it happened at school when a friend told me that Santa wasn't real and I had to mull over that, but I was probably a little bit older. Well, That's a a fun memory. And that's the magical thinking that little ones get into. Um, So thanks for calling, Pamela. Okay, let's stay on the phone. We have Barbara from Louisiana. Hi, Barbara. Hi there. Hey, thanks for calling. Wonderful, wonderful Christmas program. Thank you for relaying it to us. I have something that I would like to say. I was raised in an orphanage from the time I was six. My baby brother was four and uh, we had eight dorms on our campus. There were about 300 of us kids plus our mothers and, uh, you know, house mothers. And our Christmas was held at the church for 300 kids plus other people. And our Christmas present... Uh, our Santa Claus were the uh, young folks at the uh, at the college there in South Carolina, there in Columbia, and uh, we wrote letters to Santa Claus at the beginning of December, and our names were drawn, and we were chosen, and they were our Santa Claus, and then the Air Force base that was there in Columbia, South Carolina, they were all our took us all out to uh, to Christmas dinner on the campus, and. We just had Santa Claus everywhere. Oh, wow. Now, I could tell you some more fantastic stories about us kids, but those are those are this time of the year, so they were our Santas, and, and we called the guys our soldiers. Wow. Wow, Barbara. Um, thank you for calling in about that, because I think the the fact at Christmas, the if we could all be, St. Nicholas, if we could all remember how important it is to give to others. And um, are you are you and your brother, do, do you have children now, my brother passed. My brother passed away this February. I'm and sorry I have, I'm for your 80, loss. 87, and I have, uh, my daughter is with me, and she's 
pretty much an age herself, but those are our <laughs> children. And my brother's children are going to have a fantastic Christmas. He has uh, two daughters and five, seven grandkids, and they will all be at Grandma's house. Oh, that's wonderful. That's that's wonderful. I hope all safe and healthy, too, um, through this COVID time. You know, I think this might be a good time for us to remind everybody that if you're going to gather at grandparents' houses, that how important it would be to, to do a really good job of self-quarantining, not getting around people that you don't know who are not being careful. Right. Wear those masks when you go out so that when you go to visit family, at Christmas, you know that you've had a safe space That's of right. several days uh, right. before you gather. That's right. So giving, um, giving and talking to others is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I sent out all of my Christmas cards yesterday, and it was a song from me. Uh, Christmas is coming, and the geese are getting fat. Let's put a penny <laughs> in the old man's hat. <laughs> If you don't I have a penny, a nickel will do. This is my Christmas gift to you. Merry Christmas to the to all of you there at the station. Thank you so much, Barbara. What a what a wonderful call. Thank you, and I'm glad you did have some good memories uh, mm, during your stay memory. at the orphanage. Though I know it's not an easy life, so uh, uh, we really uh, appreciate. Uh, uh, I don't no regrets whatsoever. <laughs> well, good. None. Good for that. Merry Christmas. All right. I think Bye -bye. we're going to take our final quick break. And when we come back, we'll keep talking. I think we have time for another call. If you want to give us a call about your Santa experience um, or the way you've approached it, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. We'll be right back. Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and today we're talking about believing in Santa or not. Um, when do you... When do you let go of the myth 
Or when do you allow your, how long do you allow your children to continue? So I, I think it's probably on, on this last segment, I'd like for us to talk a little bit about um, thinking through this. Um, as we talked about earlier, um, the the St. Nicholas um, is not completely a myth. Santa Claus really did exist and has for many through different people, depending on who your Santa Claus is. Um, so most children have a positive reaction to the discovery of Santa. And typically it's sort of a developmental evolution. Discovering the truth is, is part of growing up and a sign that children are developing critical thinking skills and critical discovery skills. Some do it earlier than others. And some, like a couple of our callers mentioned, some don't want to admit it even when they think they know, maybe for themselves, but maybe for others, their parents or their little sister. So, you know, I think the stage, um, of questioning or critical thinking happens at, at a varied age, somewhere between four and eight. And so you start questioning and then by eight, nine, 10, um, kids are figuring things out, whether you want them to or not. So when a child asks whether Santa is real, it's really important for parents to decide whether the child is ready or not to, to know more about this. And one technique that I think is probably a pretty good one is, is to, to use, to say something like, well, tell me what you think. Do you think Santa's real? And ask them, or who do you think Santa is? Ask about their thoughts, see what they believe, and then it'll make it easier to respond. If they are convinced that maybe Santa is still real, then let it happen. But don't push, don't develop elaborate, ridiculous um, stories and argue. That's not appropriate. And, and that's when children will begin to wonder about trust. But the reality when it's, there are very few children who really worry about whether or not um, you know, oh gosh, mom didn't tell me the truth because she said there was a Santa and there's not. That typically is not, um, not an issue. So, you know, you can decide when to talk. Um, you can, you can continue the welcoming tradition of Santa. Um, I know long after, um, there was the discovery. We continued the tradition of Santa, not wrapping some presents and the like. So do what works for your family. I don't think there's any absolute way to do it. I do think it's good to share stories about St. Nicholas, highlighting the spirit of the season, the generosity, the altruism, the kindness and the giving and the gratitude and remind all of our children that it's not just the getting, but it's the giving. So teach children the excitement of making a gift, 
of giving something to others rather than waiting. And it could be baking a gift, letting them help make cookies for the neighbors, or drawing a picture for for someone else. I think all of that is really important to keep in mind so that it's not all about receiving. It's also about giving. And that's something we can always remind our children about. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to all of our callers. Um, this, this has been a lot of fun show. And I hope, I hope you all will have a, a marvelous holiday. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This is a production of MPB Think Radio. And you know it's engineered by my wonderful Michelle McAdoo. But I want to also thank Liz for helping on the phones and also Liz, Jay, and Java for joining in to our wonderful time. Join us again next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking.